Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Please go to tacticalpermaculture.com to read my blog, watch my videos, view my photos, access web applications, and click on the join membership link to access exclusive features. August 1st, 2023, episode number 75. This is officially the halfway point into the hell quarter, the three months of heat torture that uh, that I'm surviving now for the third time. This is this is year number three or summer number three. And um, I've t- spoke about it at length before. And um, usually in a past tense, but now I'm actually in in the the peak of heat madness, as it were. And uh, so I'm going to try to avoid retelling a lot of what I've already spoken of. But what's pertinent at this moment are some a few uh, observations and innovations. Uh, apropos of um, the fact that uh, yeah, surviving this uh, climate crisis, uh, our work's cut out for us and there's not many places to hide and if you think yeah, I mean even those who feel like they're in a mild climate uh, that's relatively buffered or that they're buffered in general by taking for granted air conditioning on demand with no redundancy uh, if that system fails um, then you got another thing coming and so maybe it's worth worthwhile um, for even those who are not in my situation which is basically what I would consider now uh, if I look at if I trace the I'm not the I'm not the um, the most impoverished climate refugee, but I'm definitely and I'm probably not the most um, not the least impoverished, but I'm probably somewhere in the middle. But I'm definitely a climate refugee, and um, claiming that and owning that and defining that can be another conversation. But the reality is, I am by really by no choice of my own at this point it's not an option for me to be living the way that I'm living given my financial circumstances and given my abilities and semi-disabilities and my sensitivities and sensibilities and my my, um, threat model when it comes to epidemiology and whatnot so there's a number of factors but ultimately yeah there's there's not a there's not an option for me to have free or affordable AC and even like they say about going to jail and having three hots in a cot. Uh, yeah, you may ha- you may also have no AC. And I just read an article about a, a, uh, a prison, I believe it was in Florida, 
where um no yeah there's no ac hardly for anybody maybe there's a tiny bit but it, it always breaks down and yeah people just die and uh and the staff they can't contain the madness and the violence and they they can barely stand so um so that's not it that's not an easy way out easy way out either um but yeah with all with all the humor aside in all seriousness i'm um trying to keep myself uh with a positive mental mental attitude and and basically ride the line between heat exhaustion and heat stroke both under the umbrella of heat illness and um basically the again i've talked about it at length before but but the reality is that living living day and night 24/7 literally with zero respite no relief in fact at night it's worse for reasons that i've spoke about at length before um part of that is physiological part of it is is uh, psychological mental um but ultimately it 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 all it all works together and compounds into uh into a state of madness and a state of um of uh just horrible insomnia and and dread of um it's it's bad enough when the sun is up but actually it's actually more dreadful when the sun goes down because of what happens in the body expecting it to cool and then it doesn't but your body does certain things and again it's hell and it's reality and it's killing people and i'm trying to survive and now i realize that uh as this is the third year into this and my finances have not have not um turned around and my life circumstances have not <laughs> it was a blessing to have what i have a real big blessing i have a lot more now than i ever had before in my life and it still ain't much but it's a lot more than i had before and i'm not about to i'm willing to yeah i'm willing to to uh to die on the hill of um of surviving on my 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 first and only land and if it just so happens to be at a time when uh the market crashes and uh there's a pandemic and there's uh a record uh heat record breaking temperatures on earth and and heat waves well then i guess that's why i trained for all the years to call myself a survivalist and to take a bit of pride in that and so now it all comes to the rubber meets the road and um so yeah in some sense it's kind of one of those wilderness immersion experience adventure game show whatever things that I'm documenting at least somewhat with with photography somewhat with with uh with a camera and mostly with, by talking about it just verbally documenting it I'm not trying to do the the selfie version of this in terms of talking to the camera um but I have I have given more glimpses on my website and what not showing some of these biohacks and and life hacks solar punk type projects that I'm doing to um 
to be a minimalist with all these uh, elements, with minimalists, with uh, water and, and fans and and solar power, and try to stretch and push the limit of minimal water usage, minimal fanning, fanning with minimal solar power. For budgetary reasons and also because up to a certain point I like to know how minimalistic I can possibly be and this is year three and I haven't added much technology or expense to scaling gradually into these these projects that I'm doing and uh I would say psychologically I'm realizing the toll is more exponential than I thought over the course of now several years because or a few years because uh the first year I was just more gung ho I think I had more well the markets were in a way better place that had a big factor so morale was higher less sort of existential malaise if you will and it just, I wasn't as ground down and hammered down by the experience. But by now, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm totally haggard, but I would say I'm pretty ground down. I'm pretty, pretty hammered um, by the site and the seasons. And, but it's so mild and so forgiving, even in the coldest day of the winter, compared to the, the earliest days of summer. It's just really a fact. The fact of life is that it's nine months of, of total paradise, and mild temperatures and mild cold cold temperatures, and then it's three months of total hell. And I, and I, I keep. I always say to myself, Yeah, I mean, when you get into the thick of it again, you can, you're gonna. By the time it's over, by the time the 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 the, the cool the cooler temperatures come back, it was so such a a fever dream that you can almost not even remember what it was like and so i'm taking the time to describe it so i can refer back to it and i have referred back to these these uh notes that i've taken try to put myself reconstruct this the the state of mind but uh it's hard to describe because it is so torturous the closest analogy i've said before is like when you get into a hot tub and it's not hot enough to scorch your skin enough to where you can't even get in it but you can barely get in it without scorching your skin and then you get in it and you realize you're incapacitated and you made a mistake because now the heat is so crushing to your soul and to your brain and you feel like your blood is boiling but you can't move and you're just trying not to fall in and it it's just really this agony on on the on the mental state, um, more so than the body, really, because, and even, yeah, so even now, yeah, and with that analogy, the things that suck about exp experiencing this with the body is just the, the stickiness and the feeling nasty of sweating constantly, profusely, having to rotate the body in weird yogic postures to try to keep skin out of contact with other places of skin because wherever that happens the 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 sweat just pours out and it gets even more sticky and nasty uh and then rotating 
quasi bed sores basically um, because I'm laid up for most of the hours of the day and night and I can only get up and barely move around to do basic sanitation and water filtration, just survival chores, but nothing, no projects on the land, just, you know, bare, bare basic biological maintenance and uh, enjoy the enjoy the sunrise, enjoy the sunset. Other than that, I'm laid up all day and all night and I'm just rotating, hydrating and uh, and there's not a lot of severe physical pain. It's mostly just the psychological malaise and um, and stress and sense of being distraught and it's very that's very uh you want to you want to uh shout and scream your barbaric yelp and i and it happens sometimes you know sometimes it's almost like fits of rage and uh nothing nothing like a seizure but unless it's hyponatremia and that's another story that i did have to deal with and i've talked about before but just in terms of being pushed through the crucible of enduring extremes of boredom, extremes of debilitation, extremes of incapacitation, and the inability of all things. What I realized over this last cool season was that the thing that gets stripped away that's the hardest to let go of and the thing that drives you the craziest is the is the loss of the ability to get into the zone with anything because the state of physicality is so ever-present and crushing that, yeah, I can study things. I'm taking a full load of Yale open course (laughs) material right now, uh, early medieval uh, uh, times, er, early medieval history in Europe, and... uh, atmospheric and oceanic science and uh, philosophy of human nature and uh, evolutionary biology and they they're engaging they're quite engaging um, but it's not the same as getting in the zone like working with your hands building something writing computer code making art doing something where you're sitting up at the very least if not standing up at the at the next very if you're not standing up and if not moving around Um, but all those things have a common denominator which leads me to the main uh, pulse of this conversation which is that uh, where I'm at right now is in getting into modifying the nuances of blood volume and circulation and uh, and vasodilation so so the key words that I'm that I did a bit of research on uh, and that I've been a little bit of just formal research on so that I would have somewhat working definitions to go along with my anecdotal informal kind of experimentation on myself and good time to say disclaimer this is not medical advice this is me biohacking life hacking myself and there's no 
research study ethics board or whatever to um, to have to consult with when it comes to just trying to make it and survive and I'm just doing me and trying not to do myself in so be careful uh, listening to any of this and do your own research and consult your physician and if anything just know that my, all this is coming from a place of precautionary principle and trying hopefully not to end up um, well I mean for most people I think it's really ill-advised to just go venture out of a world of AC if that's what you're used to you know I've been at this for a little while and I've been in I'm, I'm fit I'm healthy I've been working outdoors doing permaculture installation for over 20 years now and so yeah acclimatized to Southern California over 20 years and whatnot so you know yeah everyone's got different circumstances and uh I don't think there's any anything um brave if it's more foolhardy than brave what I'm doing at this point but if it yields a little bit of um data that can be fed into you know future um uh survival strategies for folks then um it could be it could be uh it's it's I'm doing things that are keeping me alive and and they're lifesavers to me and they could be they could be beneficial to others but I'm not going to make any claims. Um so with that said those uh those topics that I'm those keywords and topics that I'm that I'm working on right now involve actually syncope mitigation heat syncope mitigation by different approaches to uh, understanding vasodilation and blood volume and um, and circulation amongst other things that will come up but those are some of the main concepts so a little bit of a, another an anecdote within an anecdote recently I discovered the word syncope and was glad to have done so because I realized it's something that I've experienced many times in life and basically it's the fancy clinical term for fainting but it has different causes and um, one of them being the result of uh, of vasodilation in the small blood vessels at the extremities or peripheral vessels um, further out on the skin where as you're uh, acclimatizing to heat your body is trying to uh, use a strategy of um, opening the uh, dilating the blood vessels at the extremities in order for the heat of the blood to basically radiate out from the uh, well radiate and then and then be affected by the different forces of temperature um, on the surface, whether and obviously in combination with with a breeze or with sweat or or the 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 the, uh, the heat index, the level of humidity and whatnot. But all those external factors are at play as well. But internally, that process 
that I wasn't aware of until last year when I started researching why sleep is so disrupted and it ha- and that was it's because of that it's because of the effect of your body trying to lo- lower the core body temperature by allowing the blood vessels at the surface of the skin namely the face <laughs> because I wake up with my face feeling like it's on fire like it's being sunburnt and it's the middle of the night and it's because of that process where it's just another means of uh, like sweating of of using very magical kind of physics to to cool the blood and thus cool the the core body temperature in that in, in that way but the side effect of doing that which is less of a problem when you're laying flat at night is that it lowers blood pressure and that low blood pressure means that when you try to stand up or move around there's that much less um, efficiency and speed with which circulation takes blood in those dilated blood vessels uh, through the body up to the brain and through all the other organs but most importantly to the brain where you will have a tendency to get dizzy and fall over pass out lose consciousness maybe go into seizures and have other bad things happen there's a list of symptoms but syncope caused that's my understanding of syncope roughly and it's not a clinical i mean i'm not I'm not a doctor, I don't play one on the internet, and um, I'm just, for myself, sort of giving a a class presentation on my little lab, you know, my lab project, and so I'm giving my presentation, and, you know, you can give me an F, or you can give me an A, or whatever, but basically, my intention is that we understand this as, as as we understand heat that heat syncope becomes as ubiquitous in the uh, of a of a um, uh, dinner table conversation topic as as anything else that's mainstream because understanding the mechanism mechanisms of it can save your life and uh the anecdote within an anecdote about heat syncope is what happened when a a very prominent medical professional uh doctor i believe uh high ranking at a role at a university uh, medical facility uh very highly respected and not by any means a a uh a quack or somebody who you would question their judgment or their soundness of their of their medical thinking but he so he's a highly respectable respected person and he had a blunder that he wrote a twitter thread about that i guess went viral and pun no pun intended because it was the story of him being a having being a a novid person having novid or being free from covid all these years and then um I believe it was after being very careful for all the years, finally went out and dined in public without a mask or something, something relatively mundane by today's standards like that. And, uh, and shortly thereafter, he, uh, yeah, he, he came down hard with COVID and, um, didn't think, um, 
to didn't think to prevent the uh, risk of heat syncope and uh, I wouldn't expect myself or anyone else other than a doctor to think of that but he actually regretted it later because he could he could have known better I don't think I could have known better I don't think most lay people could have known better but um, but basically what he there was a painful epiphany for him because I believe it was the combination of his heightened temperature from from the fever of the illness, um, which I don't think was even diagnosed yet, but he was just coming down with something. And um, and because he felt nasty and sticky, uh, it was, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but if I remember correctly, it felt natural, it felt natural for him to shower off waking up sick and then and then wanting to go and do something about being sick but that the shower was a a natural first kind of step to kind of feel a little bit better or refreshed and I can relate to that um depending on how high a fever is you know I may adjust the water temperature but apparently what got the, what got the best of him was that the between his body temperature and the shower, which probably was, you know, however hot it was, it probably wasn't the hottest shower he ever took, but it was hot enough to induce that heat syncope. And he talked about fainting as he was coming out of the shower, which is, as a lot of people know, most home injuries that result in the need for medical treatment and certainly medical emergencies, they happen in the bathroom because that's where. People are barefoot and they slip on slippery surfaces and uh, there's all kinds of stuff that can break and some of it's more deadly than others. Luckily for him, he didn't break any mirrors or glass or anything. It didn't sound like it seemed like he dented, a, cracked his head, not cracked open, but but put stitches on his head, had to get stitches on a, on a split in his head, uh, in the skin of his head by hitting a falling basically dead weight on a on a trash can and then and then hitting his abdomen on, on something else on the way down um and seemed like he didn't black out for too long but was able to realize that yeah he had just lost consciousness and then was able later to reflect on it as he was going through all of the tests that had to be done to make sure he hadn't injured his spine which was totally possible when you fall dead weight from any in any circumstance but uh i'm like yeah i I can relate to that uh i for all for all i know have not had if i've ever had covid it couldn't have been many times and it could have only have been totally asymptomatic or either asymptomatic or so early in the pandemic that was almost it was statistically improbable for it to even been um circulating at that time but I I have a I have a I would say a nine I would say eighty to ninety percent confidence that I have never well that I have had either mild or uh, that I've had if I've ever had COVID it was only once and it was mild um, but I don't know for sure uh, I certainly have not had. Uh, what I what I would describe as any lingering symptoms or anything like long COVID, uh, 
Um, but because I live under these heat stress conditions, I really do think a lot about long COVID because of how debilitating it is living under the under the under the heat. It's pretty much almost everything that's described as far as post-exertional malaise and brain fog and dizziness and everything but uh, the the more um, flu-like symptoms of uh, cough and runny nose and joint aches but all of the stuff that people are talking about with the neurological stuff and the sort of chronic fatigue stuff that that's just my summer you know um, but anyway in solidarity with the people who are suffering God, I couldn't imagine having long COVID and be going through no AC and a heat wave right now. Um, that's got to be the worst of all of all hells on earth right now. Um, and, and maybe you're in prison and you're experiencing all three. Um, but yeah, so he had that experience and I, my ears perked up because I said, oh, I needed to know that there was more of a medic, there's more of an important aha takeaway lesson about fainting in the heat. It's that it is impactful for me to remember that what's happening when your blood is pooling up at rest in the heat is that You're trying to have your blood work against gravity to keep all your organs oxygenated all the way to the top of your skull and your brain. And if you get up and you move around, or even you're moving around and you 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 get down low to do things and then you stand up again, every time that happens, there's this there's this cost or this hydraulic issue uh, in the heat, which is a factor of the the dilation of caused by the heat and the body's need to adapt to the heat and to try to cool itself. It's like all these factors are in some ways antagonistic to each other, in some ways complementary, but ultimately it leads to a very debilitated state in a state where you're kind of in that sun punch drunk stupor and you're very dangerous to yourself and others, certainly if there are any objects around. Um, and so that's what happened, not because of being in the sun, but it was, an, it was his laboratory was that he was coming down hard with COVID and he took a shower and that's what caused heat syncope and his blood vessels dilated and there was not enough blood in his brain by the time he got out of the shower and then he lost consciousness and hit a few things on the way down to the floor, dead weight. Presumably with no muscular control to be able to block his face or hold himself up on anything. And and I know for myself that that shrinking window of opportunity to brace yourself when you know you're you're losing consciousness. And that's happened to me even when there was no heat. It's, it happened a few times just growing up, you know, getting up too fast. Just getting up too fast, it can happen any time. I mean, maybe it's one in a thousand times or 10,000 times, but it, it can happen and it has happened to me. So I know that feeling and I know where where you, you kind of start to uh, 
vision kind of fades to black or fades to start uh, to uh, fireworks <laughs> kind of a thing. It's kind of dull, dull kaleidoscoping kind of fireworks um, or, or fade into black or a little of both. And then you start, you just kind of gradually but very rapidly lose motor control and then you're collapsing in whatever direction you kind of fold into and whatever direction you were you were kind of leaning towards um and i've often been able to whenever that's happened the rare times that it has just been able to kind of kind of fold my arms out over a over a a table or or a chair or something like that just to sort of latch myself on over something with with my my arms folded kind of like hook myself by the by the elbows or by the underneath the uh the back the backs of the arm kind of thing just to <laughs> kind of be be hooked up and while my knees give out and uh and maybe that'll at least kind of break the fall at one plane and, and, and allow me to only fall at, at half the the height or half the velocity from that point all back to the ground and then bang your back against the wall or, you know, but hopefully, hopefully not literally, which has happened to me before, I have fallen, it was in a medical study where it's obvious that it was more, <laughs> more probably the the uh the experimental drug that i was taking for the study um to blame than just getting up too fast but i did but it was a combination of both and i was waiting in line to get whatever uh probably a blood pressure test of all things some kind of biometric thing done as part of the study and i dropped dropped dead weight cold not it wasn't like i did it wasn't like i Luckily, there was enough of the rest of me breaking the fall, but it wasn't a very intelligent way of breaking the fall. And I did, my, my head did make a thud on the ground. Luckily, it didn't crack or bruise or bleed at all. Um, but I, 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 I feel like I've done my fair share of training ninja rolls and <laughs> jujitsu falls and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not a master by any means, but. I have enough experience, life experience, to kind of know how to scale into a fall where you're not shattering your elbow or your kneecap and you're kind of slapping the, the, the longer parts of your arms and legs down first if you can um, or rolling the back down backwards if, if you can, but basically, yeah, being, there's an intelligent way to fall even from full height, dead weight, whatever, standing height. And, uh, yeah, if I'm, I find myself just being out here, being exposed to what I know is that potential of, of, uh, losing consciousness and the consequences of it being deadly, like being eaten alive literally by red ants while the sun would be literally scorching me, cooking me to death. I don't, yeah, probably, I mean, they say three hours without shelter. I don't even know if I would make it three hours. But I cannot, I cannot ever lose consciousness and mobility to where I can't immediately pick myself up and maybe drag myself. I mean, I got to stay within range 
of shade and my sort of dwelling med tent um, tiny home experience, I got to try to keep myself um, even during the coolest hours try to stay in a, in a tight range because if anything happens, twist an ankle or in, end up end up having to crawl back, I have to be able to crawl back before the sun gets any higher in the sky and I'm going to be crawling back over all kinds of red ants and it's going to be, it's going to be, that's going to be something I do not want to experience. So striking this balance of understanding my biggest enemies, which is really the now to get into mitigation of that, having explained it and taking that anecdote of that, what that dude went through and helping that helping me understand the mechanics of it so that I can address it and understand that I'm actually in some ways um, setting myself up for that uh, in that these other factors, the blood volume, the... Um, the the circulation what I'm trying to do is generally maintain a positive mental attitude maintain a a um a blood pressure that is, or a vasodilation that allows me to, yeah, uh, paradoxically have good blood flow to the brain and good, and, and help me prevent headaches and help me prevent, um, the vasoconstriction, which would lead to pains and headaches. So I use it. So I, for that purpose, have been for my sanity and for the mitigation of headaches. Not that I get headaches. I'm blessed not to get a lot of headaches. Um, but as a, it's become a. Um, it's become a, a a a very moderate, almost micro dosing of of can of uh, cannabis flower infused coconut oil, a very mild, very low ratio, mild um, micro dose of that, and 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 over these 120, 125 degree days and 100 plus degree nights yeah it's been it's been a dose in the morning and a dose at night um to keep me from being in such just tortured agony that that it's 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 uh it just makes you want to scream constantly but it, it mellows me out <laughs> psychologically and it it keeps it, it uh yeah if any if any I know it works in the headache department because there are times where I do feel that sense of, oh my God, that could be, that feels like the beginnings of a possible migraine. And the, it's, there's 
apparently debate about it, but I'll take it for what it's worth. The proof's in the pudding for me. Anecdotally, this form of cannabis, I don't like smoking it anymore. I kind of never really liked smoking it that much. But topically, as a massage oil is great, and uh, in moderation, um, as a microdose uh, in the form of a not a lot of candy and edibles that are not good for you in in and of themselves but coconut oil for me yes that works well and some people do put it in all kinds of meals and more power to you but uh i will say it's it's been a saving grace and i have increased the the rate of usage not the dosage but the rate this summer and i feel like it was the, the right thing to do and i probably should have done it the last two summers um but I was kind of practicing a little bit of austerity. Now I've discovered that the tiniest bit, the the legal amount that I was able to transport in one trip has been the amount that's lasted me for almost three years because of this magical effect that somehow continuing to add oil to that original very very small amount that most real stoners would just die laughing at me for how small of an amount that I've been able to stretch this long but I'm surprised it continues to to hold an effect and it just seems like maybe the effect is just to just turn some switch and it stays switched for a few hours and that's that it doesn't have to be a whole lot of it because it it's it's effective at at the at the basic things I needed to do, which is to mellow me out, keep me from screaming, and to keep me from having headaches, and let that also just sort of it does feel like an inner massage from the inside out, a tenderizing sort of, and it, it is it feels debilitating, and now. I also understand better why, because if what it's also doing, in order to help you feel that mellowed out, it's actually doing that vasodilation, then it does make it feel like you're kind of like, your blood is like molasses and moving things around and working. I remember there were times when I would make the mistake and accidentally, almost accidentally or kind of carelessly before a day of, having to work for somebody else landscaping maybe have a toke or maybe have a nibble of an edible or something and just think I could get away with or something and and it would drag me down so hard in the work day um and it's (laughs) part of it was psychological but a lot of it was just like I enjoy I mean the only way to 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 make this enjoyable would be to do it when I'm working for myself and I can work at a pace where I'm, I'm, I'm working tasks and, and, and working them slow and relaxed in a way where it really matches the vibe of the medicine. But when you have to work hard and fast and not look like you're slouching at all, that was very painful because because <laughs> it was a mismatch and I think now I have more of an understanding of where that comes from but that's sort of a given so I have this baseline of that vasodilation from the cannabis and that is essential for what for the reasons I, I described but that that also 
makes more of a risk factor when moving around and standing up in the heat. So obviously I need to be even more conscious about bracing myself. And (laughs) what's great about being out here is that as long as I look around and there's no giant rocks to split my head open on, if I fall dead weight on the sand pretty much in any direction, I'm going to be fine. It's almost like falling on... On, on on a on a bed it's 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 very forgiving i mean it's it's happened before i haven't fallen dead weight because of passing out but i was i actually tried to ride a mountain bike and see if any of the sand would be sturdy enough to hold it and i i was proven wrong so fast that i could barely i didn't even move a foot before i was dead stopped and just fell dead over onto myself on the side and uh and and luckily yeah, there were no rocks to fall on at that in that at that point, and uh, and I and I survived, and I and I so I can I know from experience. Yes, <laughs> it's possible to fall dead weight on this sand and be okay as long as it's not on a rock. So I have a little bit of confidence. Like today, I had to do some pretty arduous chores that really took a lot of beast mode energy to muster to get them done even in the coolest hours even with a little bit of uh, a little bit of moisture and and cloud cover from didn't get me much rain I only got a couple of drops but there have been some there's been some cloud activity over the last few days and it given me a little bit of uh, the first real much um much appreciated drop of about 10 degrees so I'm actually speaking from a a little cool breeze coming across me right now and I'll say if it wasn't for these clouds right now I wouldn't be talking right now I would just be I would just be in in trying to mitigate that pain and stay on that heat heat exhaustion side versus the heat stroke side but yeah it's it's rough because moving around huffing and puffing sweating trying not to push that line of heat stroke because even if the sun's not even up over the mountains yet and it's still before the sunrise but it's it's but i it's light enough for me to see scorpions and hope that most of them have gone underground already and i can go and get water filtering filtered i can do basic chores and whatnot but you know on various cycles some of those chores are pretty arduous and so yeah it's just it feels like being hit by a train i can't i don't know exactly what that feels like but i i will say um extreme running a mile i have done that and and uh yeah things like that extreme exertion and to the point of exhaustion where my heart rate wouldn't be my heart rate just by doing basic but arduous chores wouldn't be up as as, as fast as that but the feeling at that point of just being like oh I want to fall over I can barely stand I can't do anything else I can't lift anything I can't move anything I can barely walk I'm going to (laughs) collapse and that that is something where arriving at that without without doing much cardiovascular effort but just barely moving things barely moving myself 
dragging, almost pulling myself around and dragging myself around by things I can grab onto and shift my weight around and hobbling the rest of the way. That's how bad it it gets around this time. And now I'm, I'm in it. This is the middle of the summer and it unfortunately doesn't get better. It gets worse. There's this weird effect where it 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 drops off back to cool pretty fast but it keeps getting hot all the way through August um, and then if there's a little bit of clouds or a little bit of moisture or rain then that can be a blessing that lasts for a few hours or maybe a, a day or two at points in between but uh, but yeah it's that it's that bad so I gotta take this stuff deadly seriously and I'm I'm going to share a couple more things. The cannabis cycle is, is has been increased, not the dosage, but the, the daily and nightly. It's been a it's been a, a life a lifesaver and a game changer for for morale and positive mental attitude. And just to be able to not feel the physicality and the pain and the physicality so much. And that goes for, you know, a lot of different ailments. That would go for a lot of ailments just in general. But it really is a plus under these circumstances. And it's just a sort of, it's kind of hard to explain it, but a sense of just ability to 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 relax and surrender and not fight and not resist the torture so much. And just be more at peace with it and accept it to where that acceptance is a magical property that comes from the cannabis doing something to allow you to just let go in a way. And maybe your body without it would just be in in a more tense state trying to rebel and resist somehow, like get me out of here as opposed to accepting your circumstances, maybe kind of fight, flight, or or uh, cannabinize or something like that. I don't know. I don't know how to put it, but it's a it's a way of. Um, there actually is a word that they've come up with. They added to it. Uh, but anyway, it's escaping me now. Um, so, in addition to cannabis and my new understanding of the nuances of vasodilation, blood pressure, and the importance of knowing where you might fall and mitigating that by even maybe walking a little lower, just sort of, uh, yeah, kind of wherever, where, I'll tell you this, wherever I can, I drag and roll myself with the strength of my legs and my arms without I, I kind of, um, yeah, I shimmy and crawl around uh, in a lot of circumstances, and there's only there's a very a very small number of steps that I have to take per day, standing up upright, where that's the the danger zone of, you know, having to make sure I didn't get up too fast, having to make sure there's there's oxygen in my brain, and. Uh, because it would, yeah, there, there, there is, there is a, a, there's definitely a kill zone for me, and with a hard fall, um, 
on a daily basis. And I got to be mindful of, extremely mindful of. But it's manageable. And so another factor, of course, is blood volume because what do you get when you have low blood volume meaning less blood available in supply obviously it's thicker and there's less of it circulating and low pressure so you have wide pipes and a low amount of fluid they therefore you have a very low level of that fluid if you had thin pipes and the same amount of fluid then you would have a higher level of that fluid so just thinking like a little like little beakers or or, or, or laboratory glass tubes or whatever and just thinking hydro little t- tiny thought experiment with visualizing just the way containers and fluids work but what's also scary and what's so obvious but not factored enough is not just the effect of dehydration on feeling thirsty and needing to be able to sweat needing to be able to have hydration and water doing what water does for the cells and the organs and the whole system but for water to be to be uh, allowing the blood to flow smoothly without being too much like molasses and for it to be voluminous to where whatever the however thin or fat the blood vessel piping is at any moment there's enough uh, there, there's not the blood isn't so viscous that it can't travel efficiently and circulate and get oxygen obviously to all the organs and to the brain. So I realize that what I have been experiencing is a is a again this sort of paradox of of there being there being. Um, pros and cons or, or, or trade-offs when it comes to low pressure, low blood low blood blood pressure as a byproduct of the body trying to cool itself by by opening blood vessels around the surface of the skin, lowering blood pressure as a side effect of that, and then and then intentionally lowering blood pressure blood pressure with the effects of cannabis. Or even just being relaxed and, and laying down. A natural uh, lower demand on the heart to pump blood against gravity if you're laying flat. So what can what 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 is <laughs> what can either be a benign or a good thing can work against you and become a bad thing, obviously and made even worse so a compounding effect of there being low blood volume which is a factor of being dehydrated either either or both by not drinking enough water or by even drinking enough water but or drinking a lot of water but but not enough because you're sweating it out profusely and constantly
And so there, there again, you have a conditions where you're laying down because you have to, and you may be, you may have vasodilation for other reasons as well. And then you have low blood volume because your blood is thick because you're sweating out water. <laughs> and then that's why I have to stop working on the computer around around noon and I get a I get a chores in and then I can do a little part-time shift of computing and then once once the temperature rises about it gets to about that 110 point and then I start sweating and then I and then I start not losing consciousness but I start losing the ability to comfortably function upright it becomes so uncomfortable that I get into that state of a brain fog and I can't complete one task to the next and I have to lay flat at that point and then it makes sense okay well you're not fighting gravity you're laying flat your body's doing what's, what it's doing to have to stay cool which gives you that trade-off which is like well if you want to survive and have your body do what it needs to do to cool itself you can't be up. You can't be sitting up. You can't be standing up. You can't be walking around. That's why people drop dead on the factory line and in the in our agricultural fields because their body is basically trying to force them to lay flat just so that they can survive these temperatures. And they're raising their body temperature by working. And they're working against gravity, forcing their heart and their their blood pressure and their blood volume to to work against gravity by being upright and it's a perfect storm that kills people and so i think that fine line between heat exhaustion and heat stroke for me is that is this crucial lifestyle art of humbling myself to be completely debilitated and laid out for 99 maybe 95% of a three-month period and therefore having to learn the nurse craft of rotating bed sores and having everything that I need literally within reach to stay hydrated and to process my waste stream. Everything has got to be not requiring me to stand up or get up or, or move around. Um, and if I'm able to, that's a plus. But I've got to be prepared to and design a circumstance where if I'm going to be 95% laid up and that's the only way to survive, then it's got to be... <laughs> I would not call it glamping. I would call it, you know... It's more like living in an ambulance, but a very low-tech kind of field med tent kind of a thing but there's a little bit of time that I have where I can operate and keep myself functioning but uh, the one thing that I will wrap up with that's kind of more of a practical more exciting implementation of a of a kind of a remedy to go along with this very 
Um, <laughs> yeah, barely passing grade discourse on my understanding walking through these different systems of the body. The thing that's useful for me about it is that I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I watched Ninja Nerd on YouTube. To me is the most educational and entertaining medical um, science, medical school material uh, that, I've ever, that I've ever found. And so I'm always just going to defer out and say, I'm going to try to drop some keywords and then I'm just going to casually like around the campfire around the barbecue over a beer at the bar this is like beer at the bar med talk from me it's not whiteboard also med cram so i've been watching med cram and i've been watching um ninja nerd um which ninja nerd is is not really about ninjas it's about training for med school but the dude is a genius and he's so fun and and I love him so um, he breaks it all the way down and uh, so please refer to that for the technical but not boring actually very exciting and very well done the best work I've ever seen done on a on a dry erase board the best dry erase technical uh, anatomy, art, physiology, pathophysiology. It's amazing. So I have to shout that out. Um, but yeah, I. it's good for me to do this exercise of doing the, the, the over a beer at the bar version because that's how I develop an understanding and that's how it, it sinks in and I get reminded of things like, oh yeah, which way would you fall right now? if you fell and how many hours before you would be dead if you did fall and couldn't crawl back fast enough and all those mindfulness things that are life and death alone in the remote desert where almost no one can hear you scream kind of a thing and your phone will die faster than you <laughs> because it's at 105 the phone locks up and won't function at all. And that's in the shade. So, yeah, there's nobody, there's no medical oversight committee on this reality TV show. It's just me and my wits. And so this beer at the bar way of sharing my 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 learning so far is the way that I'm going to keep myself alive and keep myself refreshed on what I'm trying to to practice and learn. And so this practical thing that I'm going to end with is I can't remember what it was, but I literally stumbled upon the notion just about a week ago that I could be adding another dimension to this um, equation of optimal circulation and blood flow um, mainly to the brain and, and, and something clicked in me and I can't remember now exactly what it was but it was very serendipitous and I was very lucky that it sort of chain of events had me remember this but I realized that uh, 
I have plenty of what I call fire powder on hand, which is my powdered version of the classic fire cider, generally made with ingredients including, but not limited to, cayenne pepper, lemon juice, horseradish, garlic, apple cider vinegar, uh, possibly ginger powder or ginger, but basically anything and everything flaming hot that's herbal and spicy um, that you can throw together to create this sort of tonic that um, I don't know if everybody would boil it uh, or not. I, I can't remember. I know now I've done probably I've probably done it both raw and and cooked. Um, but I'm pretty sure I've done it mostly raw because that's kind of the point, certainly with the the garlic. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna say that that's something to to look into. Look into. I mean, look. Yeah, everyone should have fire cider recipes and ingredients at all times. I think, and uh, and then choose the recipe that works for you. Um, I'm a minimalist at this point, and I've been kind of hacking things down to the bare, the most portable, most preservable, most durable kind of format. And so a lot of things for me have shifted from fluids to powders, anything I can do in a powdered form or that I can make less heavy by reducing the, the fluid content of or whatever I've yeah, going from grapes, growing from going from from fresh fruits to dried fruits, and and uh, and then and then arriving at raisins, and even making wine with raisins, and uh, and and then going from making the full glory fire cider to um, to a far cry from it, but something that is approximates the effectiveness, which is just to me what's come down to three ingredients in powder dried powder form and that's cayenne pepper turmeric powder and uh or cayenne pepper turmeric root and uh and ginger root all in a dried powdered form mixed in equal parts and that's what I've arrived at for my what I call fire powder derived from the tradition of the fire cider and that's antiseptic antifungal I mean it's um, inside and out, I've used it. I typically would use turmeric by itself for external um, external issues, skin skin issues, um, cuts and scratches and rashes and whatnot, because it doesn't have a burning sensation the way that cayenne and ginger do. But uh, when I haven't had that separated from the mix, I've definitely you know put. <laughs> put that mix on wounds and it, it does give you that capsicum burning sensation but it also and this is definitely not medical advice because you will be in pain if you do this and definitely don't do it in the wrong places like your eyes or anywhere where the sun don't shine um, but I call it powdered skin or powdered band-aid really that's what turmeric is for me now but I've <laughs> I've learned my lesson that it's good to have a separate stash of turmeric for the skin external use only and then the fire powder as the external mix which is great as a condiment 
used as a, a, a sparingly as a sort of spice flavoring in and of itself. If you like spicy food, it has that, it has a very potent spicy effect on food for sure. Um, so I use it partially for that. I'd say most often for that. And then I haven't been sick in three years in the sense of a cold or a flu or anything symptomatic like that, which again leads me to think I'm a Novid person um, and that my strategies have been effective thus far. But any time throughout my life over the last maybe 15 years since I got turned on to Firesider, I had I would make it any time I would feel like I was coming down with something and I would make the liquid and I would uh, make that brew and, and take shots of it. And, uh, yeah, it goes down hard and, and, uh, <laughs> gives you, gives you breath, something awful, but, um, but it would immediately open your sinuses immediately. You would feel circulation. You would feel that tonic effect, immune boosting effect. And I won't go into all of the herbal actions going on, but there's quite a, quite a, a symphony of herbal actions going on with that stuff. Um, Stripping it down to three three ingredients, the cayenne, the ginger, the turmeric powder, it's worked well for me. And then I realized, I said to myself, at one of the days where I was having the peak sense of being like, man, I wish I could push myself a little further into the day to finish up these computing tasks, but my brain is just so cooked. My blood is boiling. I can't, I got to just lay down. I got to just listen to something or or even just try to nap, um, which surprisingly can be easier to do, to, easier to sleep during the day than, than, than at night. Um, so it's been, it's, it's been that fight. And, uh, and I said to myself, something snapped and I realized, why don't I try to see if the, if the stimulating blood flowing, circulating heart, I mean, people use emergency first aid applications of cayenne pepper to stop heart attacks it's effective and i looked at the mechanisms of it and i will say that there's more to it than i than i can articulate now but it is very effective uh in a number for in a number of ways at they call it an adaptogen, but basically optimizing circulation um, in a number of ways. And uh, I'm not going to, I don't feel confident at all with the details to, to even go into them at this, at this moment. But I will say that my awareness of that had slipped my mind. And then I realized I should be experimenting with adding that to the mix. So now what I have begun to do is do what I would have done actually similar to the master cleanse, uh, which is uh, lemon juice, cayenne pepper, and maple syrup, if I'm not mistaken, which I had I did one time and had uh, mixed results, but I'll talk about it another time. But um but I kind of I kind of enjoyed that friend the friend comrade sort of um Having a jug of water that's flavored, but it has this spicy, citrusy, um, kind of uh, just as a very unique 
a very kind of uplifting and 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 awakening sensation it's not painful um it's just it's just it's not really it's not really that that pleasurable but it's it's uh it's just stimulating and um I'm not trying to add sweetener to it, but I have added, added a pinch of citric acid, which has helped with alkalizing my blood and urine, which is very important because that can have, it can be painful and burning to urinate with acidic urine from bad pH from dehydration and everything. So immediately that's started to help a little bit. And, uh, sparingly using that citric acid pinch into that approximately gallon water jug and then mixing in a teaspoon of that equal parts mix of cayenne, turmeric, and uh, ginger and then stirring that up and then I just nurse on that all day long almost in cadence with my Yale course episode uh, uh sessions or 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 shows i listen to or whatever every time i have to go to get, to pull myself up to rotate the whatever i'm going to listen to i'll take four mouthful swigs on that and that'll that'll give me a reason another reason a kind of a fun drink that's not the problematic off-the-shelf electrolyte booster drink. Oh, I, I should also say I, I do a, a teaspoon of, of Himalayan sea salt as well. So from the top, I'm not giving a recipe. I'm just saying what, I'm, what I just started doing. I, since last summer's hypnonatremia near-death experience, I've put a, 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 about a, 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 a leveled-off teaspoon of Himalayan sea salt per approximate gallon of water that I drink so that there's it doesn't taste salty really and it's not overbearing but it is adding some salt mineral to my to my water so my water supply so that I don't sweat out all my salts and wake up in the most lethal of circumstances which is having cramps and then being falling <laughs> falling and having heat syncope induced by or leading to hypnotremia cramps that's what would actually stop me from being able to get back up or crawl to safety in the sun and that's what would kill me so so there it is we're on year three and then first summer Luckily, I got by somehow without being struck down by hypnotremia and having those deadly cramps. But last year, it did hit me, and it was a near-death experience, and that's when I phased in the salt. And now I'm halfway through this summer, and I just started to phase in those other th- those other ingredients into that that water supply. Um, and so. It's not per gallon that I drink because I will I will only do this mixture once um, and then refill it with water and then drink less throughout the night. But um, 
but I don't want to double dose the cayenne. I just, I, I, maybe I will with the, I will sometimes with the salt, but basically for that, for getting through the day, the, 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 the heat of the day, that morning starts with that full jug that has a teaspoon of Himalayan sea salt, a teaspoon of three part of uh, equal parts cayenne, turmeric, and ginger powder, and then a, a pinch of um, of citric acid, and I, and just stir that up. Have something fun. It's not sweet, but the citrus gives it sort of a faux. Rem, reminds you of over-sweetened citrus drinks from childhood kind of a thing effect. So it, it helps, but it's certainly something that that is a ritual that I look forward to. It keeps me on a cadence and it keeps me from being bored of water, which a lot of people end up dying of dehydration because water's boring and they drink things that dehydrate them uh, that they think are less boring, but they actually are killing them in a lot of ways. Um, so, so yeah, no advice, just what I'm doing and it did have an immediate, the cayenne for me, whether placebo, psychosomatic, wishful thinking or not, or even just the fact that it's something fun that I have in the routine now, whatever it is, the effect on the functioning of the brain, and even if I don't try to push myself to do a lot more computing, the fact that the day is more bearable and I'm able to just think better thoughts and survive the long days and the and the torment, meaning psychological, the physical torture is all the things I described before, and the torment is 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 the boredom and the inability to get in the zone. And for time to move so slow that the phys- physically enduring and psychologically enduring at the slowest rate possible of kind of experiencing everything more than you would. If you're in the zone, you don't feel every second of what your body's going through. You 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 zoom through it, you know, you, you take snapshots or you just only get a few frames of it. Or you don't feel it at all because you're so engrossed and engaged in the activity. That's what being in the, in the zone is. If you weren't in the zone, and you had to do all this athleticism. It would be like, oh, this is painful. I'm my my muscles are getting torn, and <laughs> I'm sweating, and it's sticky and nasty, and I'm getting tired, and I'm, I'm worn out. Like, no, if you're in the zone because you're chasing the ball or whatever you're doing, then you're skipping over all that. But if you're not in the zone, you're just feeling the torture of being debilitated but going through all this physical anguish and then you don't have the privilege of your mind getting in the zone to where you just skip over that and zoom past it you're really in it you're in this swamp of torture and torment and so anything that helps with that again the cannabis and the and the cayenne now and then the the turmeric and the ginger, they're good for inflammation and digestion and a myriad of other things. 
and and I would be having about that much in my diet anyway, just with making soups and salads and whatnot. So it's not really, uh, I mean, I guess this drink is now supplemental, um, but it's also, I'm eating a lot less because I'm moving a lot less. And so pretty much the same, that same dosage of those spices that would have gone into flavoring some dish I'm no longer eating that dish and I'm but I'm I'm rescuing and salvaging the medicinal value of those herbs and spices and putting them into my water supply so that I get their beneficial effect in a different and, and even more potent way so food is medicine as as they say or it can be or it definitely should be and again one day I've grown cayenne pepper before, not at scale. I've grown turmeric before, not at scale. I've grown ginger before, not at scale. And um, it will be my dream and my destiny to grow them at scale, at least to scale for, to where I never have to import and I make the powder myself again. Or uh, I never have to import again and I make the powder myself forever after. And... Uh, yeah, I don't know how that'll work with salt, but there are ways. And so, um, <laughs> cross that bridge. But for now, thanks for listening and hope that you do not suffer from hypnonatremia or heat syncope, but that long before you do, you stop listening to my dumbass and my bar talk and you start listening to, to uh, Ninja Nerd that's where you can learn about all of this fun stuff and take good notes and and you can school me about everything peace cheers